Hey, this is CJ Couch, producer of the Yellowbird Connect podcast, and you are listening to a special presentation of our charity spotlight. On the first Thursday of every month, we host a free networking event at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club, and we spotlight a different charity that we ask attendees to donate to. This month's charity is Communities and Schools of Jacksonville, and we raised over $1,000. That's right, $1,000 for their cause during April's Yellowbird Connect event. If you'd like any information on our Connect events or would like to attend, visit us or sign up at yellowbirdconnect.com. We are growing with each event and had to bring in extra seats last month, so you better sign up ASAP. That's all the housekeeping I've got, other than please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Yellowbird Connect. And without further ado, let's hop into the episode. The main reason we started Connect is we were just sick of attending the same seminars um, and hearing a sales pitch all the time at the end. We just wanted to do something different, something that added value. It's just not who we are. It's not what we're doing, it's that we're consistent in doing it. We're good at converting the leads that come in. So we're putting all that information out there for free, giving everyone that opportunity to do it also. The idea behind it is the more we give, the more we get back. If you all have liked what you've been hearing, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Now let's get into today. All right. Hey, guys. We've got uh, communities and schools in the studio today. This is the Yellowbird Connect charity podcast. Podcast highlight, excuse me. Spotlight. <laughs> Can Communities you do this? Jacksonville. <laughs> Yellowbird Connect Charity Spotlight. How's everybody doing? This is CJ Couch, producer of the Yellowbird Connect Podcast. And we have, what was your last name? I'm sorry. It's Mangan. Aaron Mangan. Aaron Mangan is in the building. And we have Cody Adams stepping in for Pat Flynn, who is on his honeymoon in Iceland. And we hope he's having a great time. How dare he disappear and leave us in the office? I want to be there. So <laughs> we're we just share... buying all the houses for him, right? Yeah, you've been very busy with the phones. It's crazy <laughs> to see like how many phone calls he gets. But we have a office complex neighbor, if you will, a buddy. We are. So can you give us just a little rundown of what communities of schools, communities in schools of Jacksonville is? Yeah. So communities in schools of Jacksonville has actually been here in Duval County almost 30 years. We're getting ready to celebrate our 30th anniversary in January. Um, but our biggest goal is to provide dropout prevention services here in Duval County public schools. And we work with currently over 7,000 kids in 36 schools, kindergarten through 12th grade, um, helping them overcome any barriers or challenges they might have that could hinder them from graduating and having a successful future. Uh, so we have three core programs, uh, case management, which kind of provides more intensive student support services in the schools. Uh, we do a free after-school program, which provides academics and enrichment activities. And then we do a literacy program. So we have tutors in the schools who are tutoring kids who are behind reading level because we all know if you can't read, there's a lot of problems you're going to have down the road. So our overall goal is to help provide these wraparound services. Whatever the challenges the kids have, we want to get them on track. So it's so amazing. It is. And it's, it's incredible to hear the stories of the kids who overcome these and graduate. I mean, first, sometimes first person in their families to graduate and go to college. Um, and they're really overcoming the odds. So it's, it's a, a wonderful organization to be a part of. Yeah, I'm so glad that we were able to spotlight you guys this month. So if anybody doesn't know, every month at Yellowbird Connect, our meetup, uh, we always feature a different charity every month. And of course, this was my number one on the list. <laughs> we're so thankful. <laughs> so I've been working with you guys, what, a couple years now? Yeah. Back when I worked at the Times Union building, and you guys just happened to be in there too. And I remember riding up in the elevator with <laughs> Steve Gilbert, the CEO. I'm like, oh, what do you do? So this is the second time you all been neighbors. Oh, uh, yeah, actually. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Crazy. That's, it was really funny when I was like, hey, you guys should come and see what we're doing. And we were like, 
We plugged oh, in the address. We're right like, in the same area. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll follow you, I guess. Yeah. But there's definitely something about this organization that is very different that I've, I've seen in others, is that you guys just have so much energy and so much care about the children. And obviously, children are the future, right? They are. They are. I mean, 100%. And, you know, I think what kind of differentiates us from other youth serving, there's so many wonderful organizations out there. And part of what we do is we really partner with a lot of them, too. But what's unique about CIS is we actually have our staff embedded in the school. So they're there from before the school bell rings to after the school bell rings at the end of the day as well. So we're there, very accessible to them. Not only are the students relying on us, but you have the administration and teachers who come to us whenever there's a problem because a lot of people, when they think about a dropout, they're a misconception, you know, they're a bad kid or they're not smart enough or they don't care. But a lot of times the kids that are struggling the most in school, it's because they have stuff going on outside of school that's really a distraction. Um, we're dealing a lot with hungerness right now. Um, if you're hungry, who can focus? So you're not, you're not paying attention in class when your stomach's rattling. Um, we have kids who are homeless, a lot of homeless issues. And it's not just that they're in shelters or they're on the street. Sometimes you have 10 people in a two-bedroom home, and that's very difficult for someone to live like that. And so, you know, we want to make sure that the school is a safe place for them, a place they can come to if they're having a bad day, that they have someone that they trust, a caring adult that they can go to and talk to. And it could be getting basic need items. It could be food or clothing, or it could be something more intense. We deal a lot of kids who are dealing with anxiety and depression. And if we can't help them, we are connected to resources that can, like Mental Health America. Um, United Way is a wonderful resource as well. So we get them the help that we might necessarily be able to provide one-on-one. Gosh, I've heard so many stories. I've always gone to the annual luncheons, of mm-hmm. course, and had actually kids come in and tell their story and how you guys were able to help. It's just unbelievably heartwarming. You always hear about nonprofits and you're donating to them, but you never get to see the results. And yes. every day you guys get to see the results, the impact that you're making on these children's lives. Yes. I mean, and, and it really can come down to just bad luck or bad things happening in their life. It's not that even their parents don't care. It's just sometimes they don't have the money, they don't have the resources. And could you imagine, even as an adult, having some sort of discourse in their life or just like up, you know, upheaval? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine having a child having no direction and no help? And that's it. And it's, it's really sad. And, you know, we think about, and you're right, a lot of times it's, it's circumstances of their life. And sometimes it's, you know, the people before them, unfortunately, aren't so supportive. Mm-hmm. We see a little bit of both. Um, but, you know, you just kind of think about what they're going through. And I know when I think about my youth and growing up, I didn't live in like a high crime area. And we have these kids who walk to their school, elementary school kids. Yeah. And they're getting up and walking by police tape where there was a shooting the night before or something like that. And, you know, think about what that does to their mind. And how do you go how to does school? How that the rest of their life? <laughs> exactly. It's not even just today and tomorrow and just to get through graduation. How does that impact their entire life? It does. It's got to be devastating. And I, I just sometimes can't imagine. And it, it does break my heart. And so, you know, the little bit that we can do you know, that could make ultimately a huge difference. And I've, I've spoken to some of our alumni who've gone through our programs and have become very successful. You know, the one thing that uh, they say to me that makes me really think is they decided to not be a product of their environment. 
And these are kids who are making the choice, but just because you make the choice doesn't mean you don't need the help. And that's where we come in, is we give them that help. Is it just like, for the most part, socioeconomic with this dropout rate stuff? Because when you look at like St. John's County, which is right there Mm -hmm. next to us, maybe in their low socioeconomic areas, it's like the same percentage of dropouts, but it's just a smaller area, so it doesn't seem like as much. What is it that's driving so much dropouts in Duval County? I think it plays a big role. I wouldn't say it's the sole reason, Mm -hmm. but I think that, um, you know, like I said, with dropouts, there's usually a lot going on in their life and they get caught up in that. It's so hard for them to stay on track and focus. And so, you know, the basic of items, but then you're also dealing with bullying is such a big thing these days. And I think we're seeing a high rise in a suicide. At yeah, because you can't escape it. You're right. at home and it's worse when you're not at school almost. You know what I mean? Exactly. you're just constantly on your phone. Yeah. And even with that, you know, we're trying, we've gotten more involved with that in our after school program, more to get the conversation mm-hmm. going. And I think if you get kids to have a conversation about what's going on in their school, they're going to be the ones who are going to fight back against it. And so we've been doing different activities um, within our after school program. We have... Uh, our youth uh, student youth council who have been kind of leading the opportunities to bring bullying to light and basically stand up for it so there's a lot of different things I think that could be connected to it and even um, if you look beyond socioeconomic um, sometimes like uh, a wrecked home life so parents going through a divorce um, or something with going on with their family that can impact people and um, we're also we're out at Mayport Middle School and a lot of people, because of speech side, don't see that as a school that might need the help that we provide. But they're dealing with a lot of poverty out there. They're oh, dealing yeah. also with the military wow. side. So you have yeah. a whole other issue with military-dependent students. About it. Right. Moving yeah. from place to place. They come to a new school. They're kind of like, well, I'm moving in a year. You know, what's the point? Right. Or their parents are deployed, and that's, you know, a whole other slew of issues. You don't even have the structure at home yeah. to help them. Exactly. So I think that, honestly, every kid we work with has a unique challenge. And it really takes an adult to get to know them and know what their challenge is. And then we can work with them to overcome that. And I think that makes a big difference in what we do, too. Yeah. What are some of the identifiers that you guys base your decision off on and being able to help a child? Yeah, so um, I, we call them the ABCs. And it actually came from um, a study done at John Hopkins uh, University where uh, you look at attendance. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a kid coming to school? If they're not coming to school, why aren't they coming to school? Um, behavior, are they acting out? Is If they are getting a lot of suspensions in school or out of school, why? Why are they having problems? And then course performance. So if their grades are low, if their standardized testing mm-hmm. scores are low. Um, so we look at those as what we call early warning indicators. And that's kind of the front line of how we identify a student who might need help. Um, it also could come from a principal, a uh, school administrator, a teacher, sometimes parents um, who have been in our program and recognize oh, that they're amazing. at the school. We'll put our kids in there because they know yeah. what it can do for them. Um, sometimes we have kids in our programs where it's so impactful that they get their friends involved because they recognize they could use some help too. So um, we get kids from all over. And uh, like we don't turn kids down. You know, if someone yeah. needs help, and like I said, there's such a range of different ways that we can help kids and it could be something as simple as giving them a jacket because they don't have a winter coat and it's 30 degrees outside or it could be something more intense where you're seeing them every day Mm -hmm. on a more council one-on-one type side so it's just kind of being prepared to help them in whatever way we can so once you identify a child I mean 
uh, say for example a child is like I need help but I don't know where to go what's the process I mean is it an intimidating process for them or is it really easy for them to just reach out to you guys and boom they have help yeah I would say it's easy I mean like I said our staff is on campus they're there and they're recognized as someone that you know kids can go to whether they're sent there by a teacher who recognizes a kid in class is having a, a rough time they might be like go see Miss Mary, you know, like I know she can help you. And in the beginning, it's really just kind of talking, trying to hear what they might have going on. Um, We will do like kind of goal plans. So once we kind of know, you know, what specifics might be, the the staff person will put together a list of goals for them. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a, if it's a a course performance thing, they might work on, okay, we're going to aim to get AB honor roll. What do we need to do to get there? And they become an advocate for the student, too, with the teachers. So if they're struggling in class, in their history class, they might go meet with the teacher. What is Johnny struggling with? Is, is he not getting his homework turned in? Um, is there stuff I can do to help him get his grade up? You know, So they become an advocate for the student also with the teachers because the teacher's got hundreds of kids sometimes that they have to oversee. Yeah. So you know it's exactly so we kind of become a relief for them because they know they can rely on us to step in and help that's amazing so how can listeners like help out you know where can they go to donate or whatever how can they just help directly yeah so um we have a wonderful website (laughs) www.cisjax.org and you can donate right there um you can learn more about our programs um we also have an awesome event coming up, our annual fundraising event called yeah. Rising Stars. And um, it's really unique because we actually do a talent show at the Florida Theater with our kids. So we oh, they feel like they're like oh. real pop stars. Yes. It's like crazy. I always pitch to them. I'm like, you're on the same stage as Tina Turner, yeah. Michael Jackson, uh, Leonard Skinner. So it is yes. <laughs> a night to remember. We yes. went last year and my daughter and husband, we still talk about it. Um, and how about how much fun we had. I mean, just seeing the kids on stage and how, I mean, you just know they put everything yeah. into it to perform, and there's quite a few acts. There are. We, you know, we had, I think, about 36 auditions this year, and we yeah. always have to narrow it down to 10 acts. This is That's our be fourth so year. It's so hard to pick. It's so, I mean, this, I think I was trying to fit six people into the last two slots. It was so <laughs> difficult. Have y'all ever done a talent show? Personal? No, I don't think I have any talent. Do y'all remember that band O-Town? Oh my god, yes. I was a big O-Town person. I I sang at my, like my, we won like the baseball championship. It was nine years old. Oh gosh. And I sang Liquid Dreams. I had frosted tips. I was nine years old. I sang that song. I need to see a video of this. Oh, it exists. But I like, it's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that's like, for those kids, that's so big for them because I mean they're never going to get that unless they happen to be an actual huge celebrity or no. something because the Florida Theater is extremely hard to book and it's and that's why I tell them you know it's for, first off for those to have the, the courage to audition in the first place is incredible and then to go on the stage and you know we have them come in early the day of the event so we can do run throughs and stuff and it's so exciting to see how happy they are when they come in and they have their cameras out and they're taking pictures of the stage and um, you know their parents come out and their family and their friends and it's just a really fun event Um, and they're so talented I mean I can't wait for this year we have singers we have piano players I mean it's every year is a different type of of show other things going on too at the event typically what a silent auction there's 
always time to mingle, have a couple drinks. Yeah, we do drinks, we do have heavier d'oeuvres. Yeah. Um, we have, uh, we're working on getting about 50 style auction items, which That's are great. always really good. Um, you know, it's just an overall, like, a fun night out. And, um, Vic Michelucci, right? He's Vic Michelucci from Channel 4 is our MC. <laughs> and he has a, a co-MC, one of our middle school students will be okay, with him. I'll so. tell you, last year, I can't remember the boy's name, the one that co-hosted Yes. He was amazing. He was so good. So I think this year is, is Guy McKinnon Cameron, and he's phenomenal. And he's oh, very wait. tall and kind of, like, thin like Vic, so it'll be fun to watch them <laughs> next to each other. Um, but it's just a great, fun night out, and the audience gets to text vote as part of the the votes at the end so that's kind of a fun little way to be engaged too but um so definitely that's may 2nd at the florida theater you can find it on facebook right yeah on facebook on our event um tickets are only 50 bucks for general admission 35 if you're an educator or young professional under 40 so it's not expensive um Mm -hmm. but we definitely love the community to come out support towards such a good cause absolutely all towards our kids so (laughs) so i want to talk on the business side yeah so can you tell me a little bit how you got into cis yeah, so I've been with community schools for uh, seven years now, which is crazy wow. to think it's been that long. But um, I graduated from UCF and uh, moved up here, and my initial goal as a radio television uh, degree was to get into sports marketing. And um, I worked for a little while, for about a year with the Jacksonville Giants basketball team, and mm-hmm. then um, was working to bring a professional lacrosse team to town. And things didn't quite work out, and I just felt like something was missing and kind of jumped on this random opportunity with communities and schools um, working in communications and marketing and fundraising, which was brand new to me, Um, but I figured, why not? (laughs) And, um, you know, I've just really grown in the position, and now I'm the director of development, really overseeing all of our fundraising and communications. Um, and so much more, but that's the most of it. <laughs> and, um, you know, fundraising and communications really have such a crossover because if people don't know your brand or what your organization does, you're not going to get funds. And Absolutely. so we talk about, you know, everything we do is not just fundraising, it's fundraising. Um, so uh, when I started, let's see, so we were about 23 years old back then or so. And uh, there was a reputation that we were the best kept secret in Jacksonville, which sounds like that would be really cool, but (laughs) it's not. (laughs) It's not. And, you know, we're actually part of a national organization, and I believe nationally we're bigger than um, well-known nonprofits like Boys and Girls Club. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't have as well of a known brand. And now our national office has really started to take more of an effort into building that. But when I started really kind of had to do a lot of stuff on our own and with a very, very, very small budget. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear how you've built this brand and how you've gotten so involved in the community with such a small budget. Yeah, so we've been very lucky. At the Right before I came, um, we started working with a local um, creative agency, Daigle Creative, mm-hmm. and um, they've been kind of my partner as far as uh, working on our public relations and kind of pulling all of our uh, marketing look together. Um, but... It's had to be a lot on our own, too, because we didn't have the support and the funds to really build it. And it has been a battle <laughs> to uh, finally get that uh, understanding that we need funding towards this type of side of things. But Actually, because you have a board that kind of decides where the funds are going. Exactly. And you have to kind of sell them. Exactly. Like, All right, this is where people are shifting to. Maybe we need to do more digital marketing, right? Right. And, and you know, in, in our world, and I know you guys know this, we're learning, too. Things are changing stuff is becoming more of a trend and, so fast. and it's 
not. And so it's also trying to keep up with that at the same time. But I think what it, where it started with me was really teaching our staff how to speak about who we were because we are so diverse and big in what we do that, you know, people knew our after school program as team up, but they didn't know that we did all this other stuff. Right. And so it was working with the staff to come up with one single message that they could talk to people about us. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of where it all started. And then starting to replicate that message into a bigger scale. Um, and with public relations, we kind of, in marketing, we were trying to figure out what was the best way to represent CIS. And in the beginning, it was establishing um, our leadership team as the experts in dropout prevention, which sounded great. And we have wonderful leadership who really represent the work that we do. But I think as we went through the years, we learned it was really more our kids telling our story that kind of represented our brand better. You know, I could get up like this and talk to you guys all day about what we do, but if you heard a child talk about how impactful the program really was and what it really did to help him, I think that you get a much better understanding of the work that we do. Hands down. Yeah, so it was, it's been kind of a learning process to really figure out what's the best messaging. And while we're doing all this, we're trying to stay aligned with what our national office is is putting out there because we do want to be a part of this bigger brand. And obviously that will probably help us in the long run. So, um, you know, we started small. We did what we could. um, And then I think once we started seeing results as far as like, oh, we had these news stories hit on these days. And look, we had jumps on our website of people going to visit us. We've had people call us. You know, when I can go to my board and tell them, hey, look what all these results we're getting. I got a random $200 donation (laughs) from this story. So I think as they started to see the impact and understand that, you know, the more well-known our brand and the more that we're out in the public, um, the better it's going to be in the long run. They've been helping us out a little bit more. So, but I think it started with our staff and really getting that. And then I think also... um, you know, just really doing everything we could get to get our name out there. Um, it could even be speaking to local groups, you know, making sure we're always at every meeting, making sure that we have the simplest things like the logo on our shirts, our name tags, you know, every little part of that makes a big difference. And so people can start recognizing who we are. And we're not there yet. We're getting there. We've gotten so much better in the past seven years, but we still have a long ways to go. And um, so this event is like another thing for us to kind of help get our name out there. Good, good. So long term, next five years, what are your guys' big goals? Oh man, I mean, as much as I, it's crazy to think I'd love for us not to exist because that would mean every kid is is in good shape. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we ultimately want to reach every kid that we can, you know, from a a non-business standpoint, from a program standpoint. There's so many that we're not reaching in Duval County alone that really could use the services we have. And it's at every school. Like I said, it, just because the, the schools on the north side or the west side, which are some of our highest um, need areas, doesn't mean that they don't need what we provide. Um, so being able to expand and reach more kids um, and provide those the services definitely would be our number one goal. Um, from a business standpoint, I think it would just be to continue to grow our name and recognition. And I think for people to really understand what we do, because it is a lot and it's hard sometimes to explain it because sometimes I don't think you really get it till you see it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're always open to, if people want to learn more about our programs, take them out to a site. If you want to go visit an after-school site and really see for yourself, we would love to do that. We do um, also different volunteer opportunities. We have reading days. 
or you can come read to an elementary school classroom. So that's another way to get involved. Um, we are definitely looking at ways that we can do career exploration with our kids. So we want to show them there's so many opportunities for what they can do. Some require you to go to college, some don't. You know, right. there's so many good trades that kids could get involved with right out of high school where they're making a livable wage. And so we want to open the door for those opportunities too. So we're always looking for guest speakers, um, field trips to different industries, um, just any way that kids can learn what's out there, what, what could they do. And they all have the potential to do it. Sometimes they just don't have anybody to tell them that. So Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that's a good segue into how the community can help. Because not all of us have all the money in the world. Right. <laughs> we don't always have that ability to give back monetarily, but time-wise, yes. there's so many different ways that we can get involved. So, for example, it sounds like even a career day. Yes, and a, a lot of our can help locally do that. Absolutely, and a lot of our programs will host career days at the school, so we're mm -hmm. looking for volunteers that would come out and have a table and talk about what you know their company does. Um, so there's so many ways that you could get involved as a volunteer. Um, and then just sometimes tutoring. I mean, the, yeah. the education, needing the little extra help too, that's another way. So, um, you know, we're open to finding ways for people to connect. And if they want to be on a more committed uh, volunteer, we do partner with Big Brothers Big Sisters for mentoring. So if they want yeah. to do a more committed mentoring volunteer, so cool. that's another way to get involved. And I've done it. I did it for three years um, with the really? middle school. You did. And it was, you know, it's very rewarding. It was, I gosh, I was kind of shocking to hear what goes on in middle school these days. Scary. <laughs> very scary. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, she was a wonderful girl. And you know, all we did was talk. There, I didn't help her with anything specific. It was literally just someone to come and talk to her and let her. She probably talked more than I did, but it, you know, that but was that all makes she such needed. A difference. It does, and so and once you see it, it makes you want to do more. It does, and you know, I I say this in the office all the time. You know, if I'm having a bad day at work or like I, you know, a stressful day where I'm like, why am I here? You know, <laughs> I literally will just go to an after school program and meet with some of the kids or just observe, and it just kind of reassures you, like this is a big You're doing deal. Right exactly. So, <laughs> well, you and your team really do amazing things, and you guys should pat yourself on the back for sure. <laughs> well, it definitely takes a village. <laughs> it sure does. I wanted to ask you one more thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know. You said you got into this, not like by chance, but it wasn't, you know, like... My original plan. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't your original <laughs> plan, but you've been doing it for seven years, and you kind of answered it in saying all the things you just said. You obviously enjoy it, but like, I'm sure you could have left and taken exponentially more money. What's keeping you with CIS? I, you know, I, I think about that. I know a lot of people who have gone from the profit or the nonprofit world to the profit world, and some have loved the decision and some have regretted it. Is that looked down upon in the nonprofit community? Like no. if somebody leaves to get a bunch no. of money, is it kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> No, because I think we understand. It, yeah. it is hard, you know, it, working in nonprofit definitely has its pros and cons like any job does. Um, you know, there is definitely the reward side. You, you really feel like you're making a difference, whether your role is doing what I do, working in fundraising side 
or you're doing the more direct work with working with kids in the, you know, whatever your, your nonprofit. And beyond feeling like that, you actually are making the you difference. Are. <laughs> you are. Literally. But it is, it is a lot of work. And, you know, if you, from a financial standpoint, it isn't as profitable as maybe some other for-profit yeah. jobs that I could have gone towards. But um, I know for me personally, this is more important. And as I mean, I'm doing fine. <laughs> so all my bills are getting paid. <laughs> um, exactly. But um, I've always personally had a heart for kids. And, um, you know, I always said if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I would want to be a teacher or do something in education. Um, so I think that's kind of what it keeps me going back. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I have a bad day. And it's just like you think about all these folks that we're working with who are having much worse days and if I can be like a very small part of giving them some relief from that I know it's not a fix all but it could give them that little bit of help um and I think for me that makes me feel good enough that I want to keep going and um you know communities and schools at Jacksonville our office is an amazing group to work with you work with so many people who care so much about kids and um you know you don't always get that in some for-profit workplaces um you know there's a job to be done and we're still a business and we act like a business but it's a family there's a totally different energy there it's absolutely a family everybody loves and is all for the cause that's it and i couldn't imagine ever coming across anybody having like a bad attitude right and i don't think i have and there's just such a need right now and you really and i've never been so involved in community and politics or anything like that in my entire <laughs> life than being in a nonprofit. And I never thought that's what my life would become, yeah. but I find myself caring so much more about, you know, what city council thinks and what the school board decides. And, you know, uh, now that I have a kid on the way too, it's even more impactful because my child is going to be a part of this. Absolutely. And so it's more, even more personal than it was before. Um, but I think it's just like caring so much now about what the state of our community is in. And I think this job has really opened my eyes to that. I'm, I'm extremely optimistic for the future just because as like our generation starts to like shape the mm-hmm. world, more and more people are doing what they love, not what they can make the most money in. Actually, and yes. I think like that's just a net good yeah. for the world. You know? I, mean, I, I think it's absolutely. inevitably going to be a better place I think 30 so too. years from now. I, I definitely agree with that. And it's a whole, no, whole new wave. And um, I think that... We're, we're powerful, and I think that this generation that we're trying to help now is powerful. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. more powerful. So I think that just makes it even more important to make sure that we're giving them the right tools to be successful. So. Absolutely. Well, it's with your help that it's happening, you know? <laughs> yeah, with a lot of people's help. Yeah. <laughs> Someone like you and the entire CIS team, like, in the trenches, yes. you know, in the actual schools making a difference, there's yeah. nothing like it. Well, and Which I don't, is why I love it so much. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I take pride in doing what I do, but I don't know if I could do what they do, so I have to give props to our staff <laughs> who are doing the hard work, because that's, um, that's tough to have to do on a daily basis, so. Oh, sure. <laughs> so where can people find y'all, follow you, donate, yeah. where, just plug yourself, basically. Yeah, so we are on Facebook, Communities and Schools of Jacksonville. Um, we're on Twitter, you can tweet with my coworker Ashley, all the time. Um, and then, of course, our website has a, an abundance of information about who we are and what we do and we've got rising stars coming up on may 2nd so i can't I, miss it it's so much fun and i think you just got to be Absolutely. there so um and then of course um you can always reach out to me um, my information's on the website too and i love to talk about what we do so i'm happy 
good connect with anybody. And thanks so much for coming oh, on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah, I love fun. learning great. more about it and of course, you know, sharing your tactics and messaging. I mean, that's totally my jam when we talk about marketing. Yes. <laughs> but, um, spot on. <laughs> well, thank you, Cody. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. All right, everybody. Well, follow us at Yellowbird Connect on Instagram and yellowbirdhomebuyers.com. Boom. There it is. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We will talk to you on Monday. The main reason we started Connect is we were just sick of attending the same seminars um, and hearing a sales pitch all the time at the end. We just wanted to do something different, something that added value. It's just not who we are. It's not what we're doing. It's that we're consistent in doing it. And we're good at converting the leads that come in. So we're putting all that information out there for free, giving everyone that opportunity to do it also. The idea behind it is the more we give, the more we give back.